0: eight days what started before creation and was whispered throughout every day that followed thousands of years of prophecy and centuries of silence all led to the birth of a king for 33 years he walked and talked and prayed and healed and showed us a perfect life of love willingly stepping into the greatest sacrifice of all to bring us into a defining moment that would forever restore humanity. Eight days. Well, good morning, everybody. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant, the teaching pastor here at Christ the King. Glad that you're here. Um, Over the last number of weeks, people have been commenting on the clouds behind me. They're just like, it's cool. Like, they change colors and they do things and all the rest of it. Uh, You can thank Scott Sayers and Shayna Woods, two of our staff who worked really, really hard to make them um, a part of our set. We're always so grateful for people who create atmosphere. That's what they're doing. They don't just build sets, they create atmosphere that hopefully communicates a message with you. And so, if you see Scott and Shayna around, um, you can say thanks to them. So, I ran a marathon one time, that was enough. Almost two decades ago, I ran a 26.2 mile race with Pastor Bob Marvel from Cornwall Church. We went to Las Vegas and, and we ran the rock and roll marathon together. The preparation and training for that four plus hours was extensive. I don't know if you know this or not, but you don't just show up and run a marathon. Well, you can. But the guy who ran the very first marathon tried to pull that off and he dropped dead at the end of his run, okay? So I'll let you draw your own conclusions if you think you could pull something like that off. The only part of the race preparation that I actually enjoyed, other than crossing the finish line, was the day before we ran. So the day before you run a marathon, it's called your taper day, and this is what you do. You rest, you carbo-load, which includes a lot of pasta. Thank you, Jesus, all right? You hydrate, you rest some more, you hydrate some more, and then you get ready for the race the next day. Some of you are loving that idea. Some of you are saying, I did that yesterday, you just forgot the run part, okay, all right? So I remember, though, sitting the day before with Pastor Bob, the afternoon before we took the run in Nevada, we're eating pasta, and suddenly I am flooded with doubts. What if I didn't make it? What if I did all the training and all the hours, and it wasn't enough? What if all the shoes that I bought were not enough to get me across the finish line? What if I got to mile 22, and my body said, nope, and suddenly I was concerned. So I shared my concern with my brother, and this is what Bob said to me, because he was a veteran. He'd run multiple marathons before. He said this, you trained for this moment. You prepared for five months for this moment. Now you need to trust your preparation because now it's time to run. You're gonna finish what you started. Hold on to that. You're gonna finish what you started. We've been doing a series called Eight Days. We've been walking with Jesus through the eight days leading up to his resurrection on Easter Sunday morning. So far, we have found some beauty in some difficult days. We found beauty in the response of Jesus to the cries of those who showed up on the first Palm Sunday and said, Hosanna, meaning God, save us, because Jesus spent his life communicating this. That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm saving you. We found beauty on Holy Monday as Jesus released righteous anger, clearing out the temple. He cleaned house, and here was the purpose. He wanted to change the hearts of the greedy and transform the lives of the needy. We watched Jesus carry justice in one hand and healing in the other. On Holy Tuesday, we saw Jesus curse a fig tree as a message to us. He wanted us to know, you don't need to lead a fake or fraudulent life. Instead, you've been called into a life of outrageous faith, bold prayers, and intentional forgiveness. Last week, we talked about Holy Wednesday, which is often called Silent Wednesday. And we found beauty in the contrast. On the day that Judas makes a deal to betray Jesus, here's what happens. Judas is panicking. Jesus is peaceful and praying. Judas is losing his way. Jesus is making a way. Judas was fretting, and Jesus was forgiving. And then we get to Thursday. Holy Thursday is also known as Mondi Thursday. Mondi comes from the Latin word mandatum, which means command. And the reason it's called Monday Thursday is because on Thursday, we hear Jesus say these words, a new command I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you're also to love one another. We're gonna come back to that in a moment. So as Jesus prepares to show the world the great extent of his love, a love that would take him to the cross to die for my sin and to die for your sin on Good Friday, this is what we observe. On Monday Thursday, Jesus was preparing physically, emotionally and spiritually which prompts the question Christ the King are you prepared for Easter more than just buying a ham or getting some chocolate eggs have you prepared your heart to walk with Jesus through the most important moments in human history a moment in history that includes your salvation and your eternity are you ready for what's about to come I'm amazed at what Jesus chose to do on the final day of his preparation before the cross. And we're actually gonna walk through the day with Jesus. We're gonna start early in the morning. We're gonna walk through all of Thursday, but I wanna remind you of this. It's so much more than just a timeline. It's the God of the universe preparing to save you. Picture it in your mind as the sun peeks over the landscape of Israel and and an unknowing world begins to stir for what they don't even know. I mean, it's going to be a weekend that's going to change the trajectory of everything. Jesus awakens in Bethany. Wednesday evening, Jesus spent with his friends. He surrounded himself with his closest circle. One was missing. Judas was off making deals, but there was another one who was there making a sacrifice. We talked about her last week. Mary, the sister of Lazarus, a man that Jesus rose from the dead, shows up in the middle of a meal, takes a, a small jar of perfume that was worth a year's wages. Can you imagine that? One year's salary, and she pours it out on the feet of Jesus and then dries his feet with her hair. It's beautiful, generous, extravagant, and the evening continues. It's beautiful, it's quiet, it's serene. And then the Son of God does this He goes to sleep. Think about that for a minute. Jesus, the Son of God, embraces his full humanity and he does something that humans have to do. He rests. I have a question for you, Christ the King, as we head into Easter. Are you rested and ready or are you spent and scattered? Which one? Your Easter will be transformed if you choose to follow the example of Jesus and strategically rest this week. Please hear me when I say this. It's intended as love. For the love of Jesus, some of you need a nap. You know why? Because you're in a hurry to get things done. You're Russian, Russian, and life's no fun, and all you really gotta do is live and die because you're in a hurry and you don't know why. Thank you, Jesus, for Alabama. Everybody should love some country music, right? You're on a hamster wheel 24-7. You never get off. Your life is driven by your phone. It goes ping and you twitch. You just keep moving, moving, moving. You're gonna miss Easter completely if you don't do what Jesus did. Stop. Intentionally. Jesus wakes up in Bethany. As he wakes up, sometime during the early part of the day, he sends Peter and John to prepare the Passover preparing this passover meal is no small task because of the spiritual symbolism that goes with the food every aspect of a passover meal tells the story of how god rescued the entire hebrew nation from the slavery of egypt ancient tradition is at play in this preparation it takes time so peter and john get sent from bethany they take a walk and they go to jerusalem And they spend the day getting the pieces of the meal together, the matzo bread, the bitter herbs, an egg, the lamb, and they get it ready for their brothers and sisters to come and partake. During the day, as the preparations are made, we don't know when, but Jesus walks from Bethany to Jerusalem. It's about two miles. The disciples think they're just going to have a Passover dinner. Jesus knows this. It's his last meal before he gives himself the cross he knows he's going to die put yourself in the sandals of jesus for just a moment every step he takes from bethany to jerusalem he knows he's taking one step closer to the end of his life that sounds ominous can i remind you of something every step you take today will be one step closer to the end of your life so make the step count The afternoon sun is falling in the sky. And finally, it falls behind the wall of the old city of Jerusalem. And then after sunset, here's what happens. Jesus eats a meal with his closest friends. He washes their feet and he shares communion and the new covenant with them for the very first time. I need you to get this picture, okay? The friends have spent three years together following their rabbi. And now they're together at a meal. They're remembering back to when God sent an angel of judgment to Egypt, but the angel passed over the Hebrew homes because the blood of a spotless lamb had been painted on their doorframes and they were covered. It's an actual meal. I need you to use your imagination. Can you smell it? Like fresh bread, spices, fruit, grilled meat. Some of you are like, I would love to have that right this second. I can't give it to you right this second, but you can be a part of it on Thursday night. We're doing a Seder experience this Thursday. We're going to walk you through the symbolism of the meal that Jesus ate. We've got room for about 300, and there will be pizza afterwards, which has no symbolism whatsoever, Okay? But if you've never experienced a Seder, it's just a beautiful backdrop for you to understand what Jesus did on that Thursday evening. This group of friends eats together. The meal is drawing to a close and then Jesus does something that they don't understand. He stands up, takes off his outer garment. He wraps a towel around his waist and then he humbly takes a bowl of water and he gently washes the feet of his creation it's extravagant humility the creator is washing the feet of the created jesus does a job it's the job of the lowest ranking household servant or slave we don't like that word but that was the reality then he takes the lowest position in the family and he cleanses the dust the dirt and the dung that was attached to the feet of the disciples who had just finished walking two miles from bethany to jerusalem I picture Jesus picking up the bowl and gently pouring water over the feet of his disciples. I picture him looking down at the feet that he had literally created and then looking up into their face. And this is what he says, love one another like I've loved you. For many years in a row on Thursday before Easter, I would be working in my office upstairs and I would hear a tap at the window. Tap, tap, tap. And I would turn around, and there he was, my friend Raul Chavez. And he'd be standing there with a bowl and a towel, and he'd kind of look and, like, hold him up. And then he would come in, and he would strip off my shoes, and he would pull back my socks, and he would wash my feet, and it was a little awkward and always humbling because I felt unworthy. Raul got to go home and be with Jesus a few years back. Each of the disciples would have encountered a feeling of unworthiness, but this is what Jesus was communicating with them when he poured water over their feet and then he wiped them with a towel. This is what he was communicating. You're worthy. You're worthy of my love, not because of anything you've done or not done, but because I've pronounced you worthy our worth isn't defined because of what we do or have done we're worthy because Jesus names us as worthy Nick you're worthy Hannah you're worthy Dan and Heidi you're worthy because Jesus says I did this for you some of you are like oh I'd love to experience that sometime you can you can do this this week washing feet can be taking a meal to somebody who needs it It can be a note of encouragement. It can be a phone call just to say, I just needed to tell you I love you. Washing feet can actually be washing feet and you can do it anytime as you follow the example of your savior. Christ the King, here's a question. Is there someone in your life right now who needs you to just show up? to show up and humbly serve them, to let them know that they're not only worthy of your love, but they're worthy of the love of Jesus who would prompt you to do something so humble, so beautiful, so service-oriented. He washes their feet. There's some conversation because some of the disciples are like, I don't think you should be doing this, Jesus. And Jesus says, if I don't do this for you, you don't get to do it for me. You need to learn how to receive this. Then the meal continues, and Jesus stands up at some point and takes bread, and he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take, eat, and remember me every single time that you take it do this in remembrance of me and while those words may be familiar and comfortable to those of us who know the end of the story i need to remind you of something the disciples did not know the end of the story there is angst and tension starting to rise in the room what does he mean by broken who's gonna break him why is he talking to us this way And they go back to having dinner and then it says, after supper, Jesus takes a cup of wine and he holds it out in front of them and he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood and every time you drink it, remember me. Remember me. And the disciples don't fully understand what it is that he's saying because everything they're hearing is new. A new story is being told. Jesus is saying, You know that temple that I just cleaned out? You're not gonna need it anymore for sacrificing a lamb because I'm going to become your spotless lamb. My blood is going to be spilled. My body's going to be broken so that you can be reconciled to God. Some of you are like, Grant, can we have communion right now? Like, can we remember right in this moment what Jesus did for us? Not right now, but we can on Friday." 6 p.m. right here we can remember and be obedient the first communion isn't even over and jesus drops a bomb in the middle of the room he actually says out loud one of you is going to betray me and the tension gets thick as judas leaves and prepares to turn jesus over to the sanhedrin The deal was already made on Wednesday, but now Judas is going to go and get the temple guard and say, I'm going to tell you exactly where Jesus is going to be and when. Here's what's interesting to me. Rattling around in the pocket of Judas was 30 pieces of silver. That's what he believed the life of Jesus was worth, 30 pieces of silver. He had 30 pieces of silver. Of silver. Here's what's interesting. 30 silver coins was the going price for a low ranking household slave, the kind that you would purchase to wash the feet of your guests when they showed up. Jesus is telling us something. I know everything that's going on here, not a single detail has been missed. Judas thinks he has a plan. Actually, everything is going according to the plan of God. And just so you know, all of his plan was about you. Saving you. Judas knows where Jesus is headed. And Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, the reality of what is coming is beginning to weigh on Jesus. The crushing of our sin is beginning to have an effect. As we get towards the later part of Thursday, Jesus is in pain. Agony has taken hold. He's sweating drops of blood because my sin and your sin is beginning to envelop him. Jesus has gone a little way off to pray. He needs connection with his Father. He's praying for strength to endure. And he staggers back to his friends, and you know what they're doing? They're sleeping. That's hard to hear, right? The disciples fall asleep. Like they're not watching and helping. They're not protecting and praying. No, they're sleeping. And Jesus asks a very human question to his closest circle of friends. Couldn't you stay awake with me for just one hour? Like I'm hurting here. And then he says this to them, watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but your humanity is weak. I love that moment. Even in disappointment, Jesus understands just how weak we can be. And then he wanders off by himself again and he prays a request. Jesus goes back alone, comes to his heavenly father and says this, Father, is there any other way? Is there any other way to provide a way for for your children to come back to you? Is there any other way than me going to the cross and an answer comes from heaven that makes us uncomfortable. The answer is no. No, Jesus, there's no other way. Do you understand what that means? God the Father chose you. He chose you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. This is the moment when the father loved you so much that he said no to his own son. And then comes the bold, quiet, courageous resolve of Jesus. He says, then not my will, but yours be done. I need to say that every single day, sometimes hour by hour, not my will, but yours be done and it's hard to understand but i believe in that moment when jesus makes that declaration of resolve that there is a moment of peace because jesus knows i'm perfectly aligned with my father's plan to save the world he finishes the prayer we're not at the end of thursday yet there's a stirring in the garden and jesus is betrayed by judas and arrested there is a betrayal judas shows up the betrayal is sealed with a kiss And this brother that Jesus loved to the end is standing right in front of him. And there's a confrontation. It's not an easy thing. All of a sudden, Peter's got a sword in his hand and there's a mob and he lops off the ear of one of the temple guards. And this is what Jesus does. Instead of looking at the temple guard and go, there, you got what you came for. Now you have to bleed just like I'm going to bleed instead. Here's what Jesus does. He heals him. literally picks up the ear, puts it on the side of his head, takes his hand away, and it's all perfect again. What a moment! The response of God to a bloodthirsty mob is to heal one of them. And then Jesus is dragged away to a house in the old city. He's taken to the house of Caiaphas, the high priest. In the basement of the house of Caiaphas to this day is a pit that doubled as a prison. Those of you who have been with us in Israel, you've stood in that pit with me. Those of you who are coming in October, we're going to stand in that pit together. And I'm going to read to you the prophetic words of Psalm 88. Written hundreds of years before Jesus was born, King David wrote these words about this moment. It says, Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I'm overwhelmed with trouble. My life draws near to death. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like one without strength. I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You've put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You've overwhelmed me with all of your waves. You've taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I'm confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. Do you know why the Son of God subjected himself to that? To save you? jesus did that for me the bible says jesus is alone in a pit outside on the courtyard a fire is burning a group is gathering and a second betrayal is happening not with judas but with peter the one who made this famous declaration i will never betray you but he did I wonder how many of us have made that kind of a bold declaration. I will never turn my back on God, and then we do. Jesus is betrayed by Peter. And the Bible tells us as Jesus is being moved to a different location for the mockery of a trial, he actually has a moment. The Bible describes it. As he's being moved from Caiaphas' house to another place, he actually makes eye contact with Peter. Eye to eye, face to face. If you want to hear more about what happens to Peter, you should stick around for the next couple of weeks. It's actually a beautiful story. But in this moment, Jesus is face to face with another one who has denied him and then the trials begin and Thursday comes to a close. If you want to hear more of the journey Jesus took for you and your salvation, we're going to pick up right here on Good Friday. Jesus has been preparing all day Thursday for what was going to come the next day. And as I look back on the day, I'm struck by what the Son of God chooses to do before he died. I mean, think about that. If you knew that you had 24 hours left in your lifetime, what would you have been doing? Would you have been pacing? Would you have been stealing your will? Would you have been crying? Would you have been calling out? The truth is, I have no idea what I would have been doing. But this is what Jesus does. On the brink of paying for our salvation with his life, this is what Jesus chooses. He chooses rest, sleep, quiet, focus. He chooses to pull away, to prepare his mind, his body, his soul for a marathon of cruelty that was about to come. He strategically chooses rest. When was the last time you followed his example? Secondly, he chooses deep connection with his friends. He gathers his dearest friends close to say important things. These are the last things you're going to hear me say, so I need you to really, really hear them. Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another. Then he embraces all that's going to become new. He tells them, I have a new command. Love one another. I have a new covenant in my blood. The old system is gonna disappear and there's a new hope for mankind. And this is what you need to focus on. No matter what happens on Friday, on Sunday morning, a new day will dawn. Just wait. On the Thursday before the crushing of Friday, Jesus chooses service, humble, reverent service. He simply puts others in a position greater than himself and he serves them. On the day before Friday, Jesus chooses raw emotion. He's not detached. He's not disconnected. He's fully engaged. The Bible says that he was feeling unbelievable agony. Jesus was in touch with everything he was feeling. Why? Jesus felt what needed to be felt so he could do what needed to be done. Don't disconnect yourself from the emotion of Holy Week. And then finally, Jesus chooses prayer and obedience. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, God, but yours be done. I'm in awe of what Jesus chose to do on Thursday. And so my question is, family of God, followers of Jesus, what are you choosing this holy week? What will you choose to bring into your life or eliminate from your life so that you can fully embrace all that Easter is. Some of us are quick to bypass. Say, well, come on, Grant, it's just another week. Just another week on the calendar. I gotta work. I don't know I'm gonna work. I might take in a movie. I might avoid some people, check my phone. That's what I do. It's just another week. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be just another week. Can I challenge you as a family to approach Holy Week different this year? To fully embed yourself in all that Jesus did so that by the time you get to Sunday morning, your heart is so full. Your mind is so at rest. Your soul is so connected to what God did for you that you can't help but celebrate. Like, how would I do that, Grant? Rest in the goodness of God. Gather some good friends for a meal and love one another. Embrace the truth. You're a new creation. You actually can leave that old path behind. You're a new creation under a new covenant. Jesus was your sacrifice once and for all, and now you can spend your life fulfilling a new command. Love one another as Jesus loved you. How else can I do? Serve someone. Somehow, some way. Just serve someone. Feel the depth of all that Jesus did for you and pray every single day. God, not my will, but yours be done. We walk through Holy Week so we don't take Sunday for granted. We walk through everything that Jesus did so that when we get to Sunday, we're not just like, well, that's the story. I know how the story ends. Jesus is alive. Do you understand that? Do you understand that? We walk through Palm Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We grieve on Friday. We are silent on Saturday because we know that there's a different ending to the story. Good Friday is not the end of the story. Jesus is just getting started. He's going to tear apart a grave. He's going to shred death once and for all. And he's doing it so he can embrace you and say, that's my daughter, that's my son. They're reconciled to my father. That's the reason why I came. Don't get stuck on Friday. Dream of Sunday. Dream of it. Hold on to it. Embrace yourself in it. Celebrate it. Don't bypass it. It's 1216. We need to be done. I'm not out of preaching. I'm out of time. Christ the King, I'll see you on Friday. I'll see you on Friday. Would you stand with me as we close? Some of you need prayer today because you're living life on a hamster wheel and you have no idea how to rest and you need to pray with somebody that you will listen to the wisdom of God today and say, okay, I'm gonna step off. Some of you need physical healing today because your body is broken and there was something about Jesus saying, this is my body which is broken for you that resonated and we would love to pray with you. Some of you feel lost because you're not sure your friends are really your friends and you wonder if given the opportunity they would abandon and betray you and we would love to pray with you. Whatever it is you need prayer for, the after service prayer team will be up here at the front and we would love to do that. But as you walk through this holy week, hold in the depth of your heart all that we've spoken about with eight days knowing that there's only a few more days remaining until Jesus shows us what it means when the angel says he is not here, he is risen. Would you pray with me? Father God, for my brothers and sisters this week, give us the wisdom to approach Holy Week as you did Holy Thursday. Lord, may we be measured, may we be quiet, may we be serving, May we be loving each other as you have loved us. We give ourselves to this Easter because you gave yourself for us. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen Amen and amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you on Friday.